be not dismayed whatever whatever be tight god will take care of you beneath his wings of love of love abide god will take care of you god will take care of you through every day along the way he will take care of you oh god will take care of you One of the many songs my grandmother made me sing as a girl. But that's been my song for about the last month, so had to get it out. Now, this is a convicting message for me, um, so I'm preaching to us today. Aren't those the best sermons, Pastor Michelle, you know? And as we post on social media, woo child. <laughs> but first... Um, Let's pray before I do anything else. Father God, thank you so much for this time, for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. You found me worthy to stand here, and I don't want to disappoint you. So, God, thank you for what you've given me to say. God, let it edify. God, let it convict. Let it encourage. Thank you for our pastor, where he is, him and his family. I ask that you bless them right now. And God, we give you thanks for this Advent season. We give you thanks for just being who you are. And we pray that this message pierces our hearts so that we can be the people you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor David, for this opportunity. I know you'll watch later. And thank you, Pastor Michelle, for being here, making sure I don't go off the rails. Thank you. Now, in the Advent season, we hear about the coming Messiah and how his birth in a manger in Bethlehem signifies salvation for us as Christians. Centuries of Christianity have shaped this message for us. And as Christians, we may feel like the Christmas season is an event that has deep and comforting personal significance. With the passage that's in Romans, the passage for the Advent season for this day comes from the 15th chapter of Romans. You don't have to stand. But today I'm going to focus on one verse. But with the passage in Romans, we hear a somewhat different interpretation of the significance of Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, the passage that I'm referring to, Romans 15, 4 through 13, is framed by two references of hope. Hope is related to scripture and also to the promises made to the fathers. Fleshing out how hope relates to messianic expectations and to life in the community could be preached as the main purpose. But I wanted to just share that scriptural context, but that's not my angle today. Again, I just want to focus on one verse, Romans 15 and 13. And you know how I like different translations. And I loved this one from the International Children's Bible. 
it says, I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in him. Then your hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I was talking to the kids about being hopeful. But today I want to talk to you as an entire body, you adults and children too, about being hopeful, F-U-L-L, being hopeful. First, let's acknowledge the byproducts of hope, which are joy and peace. When one hopes, one can't help but feel a sense of joy from the hope, which also gives one a sense of peace. For example... When I see Steph Curry on the basketball court, (laughs) smiling, looking fine, I mean, looking healthy, I have hope that I will see a good game and the Warriors will have a victory. With that hope, joy begins to settle in for I have a positive and confident feeling about what's about to take place. And lastly, I rest in the hope and joy, having peace, believing that the outcome will be in my favor. So what does it mean to be hopeful? Feeling or inspiring optimism about a future event, a person likely or hoping to succeed. If you are hopeful, you are fairly confident that something that you want will happen. He was hopeful that things would get better. I still feel hopeful about the future. She is hoping to win the race. Being hopeful, talking about being hopeful, just not hopeful, but just being hopeful. I'm hoping once again to have a beach body by summer 2023. I didn't say hot girl summer, so don't condemn me, all right? Some of us may hope to win the Powerball. We know you give the church its cut. I know I would. My hope is to one day get the chance to gloat to Pastor Pete about the Chicago Bears beating the Green Bay Packers. Lord, we need a miracle today. Can it happen today? You turn water into wine. Can you do it today? All right. Blasphemy. The devil is alive. (laughs) My hope is that you know who, as Whoopi Goldberg calls him, will not have a successful run for another presidency. My hope is to one day get to the opportunity to sing in the motherland Africa. And my hope is to fall in love and get married. Come on, singles. I know I'm not by myself. Jane, don't leave me by myself. I know I'm not by myself. Come on now. So I talked about being hopeful, but what does it mean to be hopeful, full of hope? Now, from a natural standpoint, yes, it means about the same as being hopeful, but from a spiritual standpoint, being hopeful goes a little deeper. A couple of weeks ago, I heard Reverend Julian DeShazier, pastor of the University Church of Chicago, say the following in his sermon. The future is the present to come. The future doesn't exist. It's a plan for the present. When it comes, it is the present. The future, like a dream, doesn't exist. It only exists, becomes tangible and a reality when it becomes the present. I found this interesting. People are always encouraging us or encouraging others to plan for the future or to live keeping the future in mind. Last week, Pastor David told us that the hope for the future inspires faithfulness today. He also shared that a hopeful future in Jesus is breaking into the present of how we live today, where we have no choice but to live better. We should let the hope of Christ's return shape how we live today. If we don't have a present, how are we going to have a future? 
Now, looking at being hopeful from a spiritual perspective, I would say it's knowing who Christ will be upon his return by living out the reality of that hope now. Can I say that again? Okay. Knowing who Christ will be upon his return by living out the reality of that hope now. So today I want us to view the future as the present that's coming. I want us to think of the future in the present, living out our hope in Christ and the hope of his return now. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. But I want us to think, believe, and know that now hope is a result of our faith in Christ. Faith is the reality or actuality of what we hope for. Therefore, hope is the result of my level of faith in Christ. Now, we as people of God are hopeful for the return of Jesus. Let, now, let's be full of hope right now, living in it now, knowing that though Christ is coming again, Christ is here now. Let's think about being full of hope, knowing that Christ has come and that Christ is presently here. Yes, we anticipate his coming, and I've often prayed, like we sang this morning, come, Lord Jesus, come. Yet I challenge us to be full of hope, knowing that Christ is here. I've said it a few times in case you missed it. It's important for us, church, to live in that. Well, Marquita, how has Christ already come? I'm so glad you asked. When I speak of knowing that Christ has already come, I am not referring to full preterism or hyper preterism, which is the view of the book of Revelation that argues that much or all of it lies in the past from our perspective, not the future. Hence, preterism. It was considered the future from the standpoint of John's writing, But now it has already happened. I'm not speaking of that. I'm speaking in relation to the following question. How do we know that Christ is here? I'm sure you can think of your own Christian journey in reflective ways that Christ makes himself present to you. How can we be full of hope knowing Christ has come and is here with us? Thanks for asking. You asked the best questions. Thanks. I'll share three practical ways we can be full of hope Knowing Christ is present with us. Number one, we can be full of hope by putting in the work. We've often heard anything worth having is worth putting in the work. And you may say that's easier said than done. For anything to be full, there must be deposits. Might I add that putting in the work to be hopeful not only has spiritual benefits, but it has physical and psychological benefits as well. My line of work always seems to show up, so just go with me. In particular, hope helps build resilience, which is the ability to recover quickly from difficulties, having mental, emotional, and behavioral flexibility, especially in a crisis. But resilience isn't just about being able to withstand a difficult situation. It has to do with living a fuller life. Hope is the pathway to resistance, and we must be resilient to live in this world. With all of the beauty that life brings, life can also be hard. 
And we must be full of hope, meaning Christ must live within us to be resilient as believers. Hope comes from our spirituality and the sense that we belong to something, the kingdom, and someone, God, that's greater than ourselves. Remembering who we are and whose we are plays a role in how we view life, the world, and what's to come. Resilience is a way of coping with adversity and being able to gain knowledge from that adversity. The adversities we face may look differently and hopelessness can easily fight our goal for resilience. It happens. We're human. Overcoming adversities, resisting feelings of hopelessness and shaking off negative vibes requires work. Remember, Philippians 4.13 assures us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Let's not rely on our own strength. In working, we do all that we can. When we are weak, we tap into the supernatural strength of an all-powerful God. Can I get amen? And whenever we need direction from God, we can lean into Proverbs 16 and 3. That reminds us to commit everything we do with my own emphasis, emphasis, every way we feel, which can produce actions of how we do what we do. But if we commit everything about us to God, he will establish the plans um, for our lives, pulling us from the abyss of hopelessness to a life full of hope. That might look like getting sound counsel from a spiritual director or counselor. That might look like becoming more active in our church in the community. I'm sure some of you have thoughts in your head right now. Yeah, we're thinking, yes, God, I know if I acknowledge you, you will direct my path. So I'm going to put the work in and commit everything to you so I can live hopeful. Cultivating hope starts with being able to identify how we're feeling in a particular moment, identifying how we would rather be feeling, and building or drawing on the tools in our lives to help us feel a sense of hope. It's all a part of self-care, caring for ourselves. If we try to be hopeful and find that it's just too difficult for us to do right now, we can try to reframe our negative thought patterns. Psychologist Todd Dubose wrote for the American Psychological Association during the height of the pandemic. He said, we are reframing the hopeful refrain, it's going to be all right, as being more about no matter what, we are in this together. When we start to dispute our negative beliefs and thought patterns, we can introduce other possibilities. Maybe our five-year plan isn't necessarily crushed beyond repair. Maybe it's a six-year plan, and that's okay. We may put 10 items on our to-do list for one day, and we might just get to three. That's cool. No sweat. You may wake up and feel, I don't feel like adulting today. Cool. You don't have to handle everything that day. I'm talking to myself first, okay? All right? Yes, of course, things can be really challenging and will require us to work out of our comfort zones to adapt, but all is not completely lost. And if we can intervene in those thought patterns, we are carving out the space for a new hope to take root, enhancing our physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional health. Being hopeful relies partly on having a sense of control. It's the idea that we can exert an influence on the world around us and that the actions we take can have positive consequence, consequences in our lives. But obviously, there are some situations that are truly out of our control, like losing a loved one, 
losing a job, being criminally victimized, having health challenges. In those cases, we need to draw on resilience. As I just spoke about, um, being resilient might also mean having an acceptance of the things beyond our control or beyond our ability to influence. Instead, look for another course of action that relieves some of the unpleasant emotions of the situation, especially in the case of loss. Well, how do I do that, Marquita? I'm still learning to do that myself. Loss is a separation from someone or something that cannot be easily replaced if it can be replaced at all. When my grandmother passed away, my life changed forever. She was the only person I knew that regardless of what I did, regardless of what I said, she would always love me unconditionally. When she left this earth, I felt completely alone in this world. I felt orphaned. I know I have a community and I have people that love me and surround me when needed. However, the loss of the love of one can be incomparable to the love of many. Not to discredit anyone's love and support of me. It's just that the loss that was experienced was so heavy. It was a lot. So since, 2000, since March 2021, as I continue to grieve, I find hope in who I've become because of her example, her sacrifices for me. I find hope in the God that I was introduced to while attending church with her. I find hope knowing her love and existence transcends death. I find hope in the gifts and the call that God has given me using my life experiences to bless others. Some of my life experiences n- nearly took me out. Um, But on the other side of them, I have hope for myself and others witnessing God's healing, restoration, and transformation. I am hopeful knowing that God has brought me to this point with all of my baggage, all of my trauma, all of my imperfections, all of my failures, all of my messiness, all of who he created me to be. As I'm preparing for my next, God is doing a continuous work in me where daily he is filling me up with confidence, with comfort, giving me knowledge, get some joy, some guidance, encouragement, plenty of grace, love, and hope. A hope that I can presently live in knowing that Christ lives in me and he's here, he's here now, and I can lean into him when I don't know how I'm feeling at the moment. I can lean into that, hearing him say, I'm with you always. I can lean into Christ when I'm angry, frustrated, and tired, hearing him say, cast all your cares on me. I care for you. I can lean into Christ being present with me when I'm afraid, hearing him say, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Leaning into Christ, I am hopeful. Christ must be a part of our self-care routine, our daily routine, our daily routines. It can't be any other way. A few weeks ago in Bible study, we discussed our daily routines where if we didn't engage in something, our days would just kind of be thrown off. Now, for me, my day has to start with Thanksgiving for life. I can't do anything until I say, thank you, God, for another day of life. Because as I get older, life is so precious. Think of the elements of your daily routine that you're already doing. Are they inviting the hope of Christ into your day? Putting in the work involves inviting hope into your daily routine. When can we can daily say there is nothing that will happen today 
that God and I can't handle. But for me, I can just say, there's nothing that's going to happen today that God can't handle. I, I don't have to be in that. Here's another note for you. We don't need to solve all of our and society's problems to be hopeful. And seeing that we do still have the agency to make an impact, however small, may be just what we need to cultivate more hopeful thoughts and behaviors that promote them. Number two, we can live a life full of hope now leaning into honest, authentic connections or as we know it at our church by leaning into community. It's really hard to become more hopeful if we don't have the space to acknowledge we're having a hard time with it right now. That's why the first step of building hope and resilience is to look at the situation head on and acknowledge the true terribleness of it with others who are experiencing the same, have have experienced the same, or are good listeners, are skilled to help, or who can just pray and be present with you in a way that is needed, a community that's engaging and empathetic. I believe I can figure things out alone and usually do my best thinking alone on my own. But as I get older, I'm learning that inviting honest, authentic people into my delicate situations and moments helps me to consider other options, discern what God is saying, and relax knowing I'm not alone. That gives me hope by inviting community relationships into our lives. We can actively improve our coping mechanisms. We can learn lessons about ourselves and manage to find the purpose of what we are experiencing. This helps us as we move forward and it also makes things that we feel, feel less hopeless. Having relationships with people we feel safe enough to have open, vulnerable conversations with about what's giving us anxiety about this world we live in, about what we're dealing with, even questions about God and Christianity, let's be real, and being able to work through all of those feelings together in a productive way. That's very important to living a life that is hopeful. If you already have those people in your life, make sure... I'm talking to myself, make a point of having regular check-ins with them to talk about what you're going through. I found that not only does it help to share, but it also helps to listen. That has benefits as well. All right, and number three, we can be full of hope by living well today. We as believers look forward to the glorious day of Christ's return, or we imagine living eternally with Christ when we leave this earth. Imagining those things may be scary for some, but they are beautiful thoughts to have. But what about now? What about our present lives? We only get one life on this earth. Are we living well? How can we be full of hope if we're not living well? I'm not referring to living well financially, which some of you all do. I'm not too old to be your foster kid. You can still adopt me, I'm just saying. Seriously, I'm speaking of living well as being rich in life, priceless experiences, living each day to the fullest, regularly engaging in Sabbath rest, ouch, filling our lives with activities that feed our soul, help others, and where we show and receive love. I'm sure you can think of other ways your lives have been enriched and you felt that in the moment you were living well. 
You were properly caring for yourself. Your spirit was good, had joy, had peace. You were full of hope. Of course, that's not an everyday thing for us. I hope that all of us have had enough of those moments where we can return to them in our minds, knowing that we can return to them in our lives as well. My duty as a program director is to encourage people to be well dealing with life's trauma, violence, and victimization. My duty as a minister of the gospel is to encourage the people of God to be well when struggling with lies, as Esther said earlier, about yourself that the enemy wants to keep replaying in your mind. My duty as a woman of God is to share my life experiences, proving that God can bring you through anything, heal you, and fill your life with hope, for he has so much more to show and give you. And my duty as a believer is to walk with you, letting you know that you are not alone, and for us to lovingly hold each other accountable as we walk this Christian journey, falling along the way, failing along the way, questioning along the way, burning out along the way, crying along the way, yet we are praising God along the way as we come back to hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit, our hope can overflow, flooding out everything God did not intend for us. Often our lives are so overwhelmed, overcommitted, and exhausting that it feels like we will never get it all done. This leads us to believe that tomorrow will bring more of the same, a day in which we'll continue to be stressed. To pump some anxiety and excitement into our future possibilities, we must embrace joy, peace, and gratefulness, as we sang about last Sunday, for what we have and what we're doing right now. This means spending time working, resting, learning, resting, nourishing, resting, preparing, loving, and all right. Not only resting physically, but also resting in God, knowing he has everything under control. I've said that a couple of times because I have to say that for myself. I, I know I'm not God, but just sometimes my behaviors act as if I think I'm, I'm God. And I have to remind myself, give it to the one who can do anything and everything and has everything under control. And he really does have everything under control. Yes, we're grieving. We're hurt. We're angry. We're tired. All of that. As my cousin Marcus reminded me the other morning, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The scripture goes on to say that he's been a shelter for me. He's been a strong tower for my enemies. I can abide in him forever. And I trust him knowing he will and provide for me because he has protected and he has provided for me. We can trust him because he's done it before and we know he's well able to do it again. That's the fuel that keeps our hearts full of hope. Now, as I close, I want to leave you with some homework to ensure that we remain hopeful or on a path to being hopeful. I don't have time to unpack it so you can unpack it in your own personal devotion time. All right. Number one. Shift your expectations. Number two. Recognize that you can change your life at any point. It's never too late. I mean the things that you can control. Your morning routine. 
as I as I'm settling into middle age, I got this thing now. I get up, I make my cup a cup of coffee, I read. I'm like, I like this. I like, you know, this is something new for me. But it gives me joy. It's something small that I did. Recognize that you can change your life at any point. Three, look for meaning in the most challenging moments. If we do that first, that can help those moments not seem so hopeless. Not seem so hopeless. So one, shift your expectations. Two, recognize that you can change your life at any point. Three, look for meaning in the most challenging moments. Four, engage in community. Share your story and listen to other stories. It helps. Number five, return to your foundation of faith. Your day of salvation. Think of Christ's sacrifice for you on the cross. Think about how you felt. When you came to know Christ for yourself. It might be your why. Why you serve like you do. Why you love like you do. And six. Reflect on God's goodness to you. One, shift your expectations. Two, recognize that you can change your life at any point. Three, look for meaning in the most challenging moments. Four, engage in community. Five, return to your salvation of faith. And six, reflect on God's goodness to you. There's a song that says, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Not only can we sing of the goodness of God, but we can live out the goodness of God. Everyone that's here, your life is a testimony of God's goodness. Knowing the goodness of God itself can make you full of hope. Fear and trust cannot reside in the same space. Fear must be replaced with hope. Let's choose faith over fear. We like that, Pastor Michelle. We like to. Let's choose faith over fear. We know what it feels like to live in fear of something or someone. Even if our entire being is not invested in the feeling, let's choose to live hopeful. It's a much better option with much better benefits from a good God who gives good gifts and gave the best gift of his only son, Jesus Christ, who came once to die on the cross, providing forgiveness of sins and who will come again to establish his reign and his kingdom. And we, his children, will live with him throughout eternity. That's good news, y'all. What's also good news is that Jesus came that we would have life and live that life to the fullest being hopeful now say being hopeful now christ came bringing hope christ will come again as our hope and christ is here now inviting us to be hopeful as we await his return jesus's return will be personal jesus's return will be glorious it will be a blessed hope amen can we pray God, thank you so much for this. Hopefully the words that you've given me has lifted someone's spirit. Hopefully it has, it's causing us now to think on the goodness of God 
all that you have been to us, all that you are to us now. You are a good God that gives good gifts. And we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. You gave your best to us and we're grateful. So God, moving forward, uh, help us to live a life that is not hopeful, but hopeful. Fill us up with the things of you, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your joy, your peace. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that fills us up, gives us comfort, speaks to us when needed. We thank you for all of those things, God. And we ask that you continue to lead and guide us in all things. Keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. Let us always look to you, the author, the finisher of our faith. We will be hopeful. In Jesus' name, amen.